The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America. Welcome to the 34th ever show of All Around Sports, live from Boston. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I will discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week's news, as well as welcoming in about 15 minutes our first guest, Nick Infante, founder and editor of College Athletic Clips, uh, where we're going to discuss the Big East Conference realignment and also my slash our event of the week that I attended and Nick attended, the Sports Business Journal IMG Intercollegiate Athletics Forum in New York City. Additionally, we will welcome our weekly call-in guest, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post, in about a half hour. Well, my highlight of the week is the announcement by the Big East of the addition of five schools, thereby ensuring its very survival. The conference is adding Boise State and San Diego State for football, and Central Florida, Houston, and SMU for full membership in all sports. As my listeners know, I am born and bred in the East, and as you can recall, uh, I covered Big East Media Day for football this past August. Had a great day, brought a lot of good stuff to the show as a result of uh, attending that and have some great connections now down at the Big East Conference. So I was worried when things weren't looking so good for the Big East a couple weeks back. Uh, And, you know, I love how the Big East went from near dissolution a month or so ago to perhaps becoming the first true super conference with members from coast to coast Highlighted, of course, by teams in the major media markets right here in the Northeast. My low light of the week is Albert Pujols leaving the Cardinals to sign a 10-year, $250 million contract with the Angels. Yet the latest example of an athlete chasing the money above all other factors. Pujols had a dream situation in baseball-crazy St. Louis where he was a civic icon while winning two world championships in the past five years, including uh, 
just here in about uh, five, six weeks ago. And, you know, the team, the Cardinals, they stepped up big time in really going uh, outside the box for them and making an offer nearly as good as the Angels. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, many millions would have been left on the table, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, when you're up talking about $250 million, uh, it's not going to affect uh, Albert or uh, next generation or two of his family. So, you know, it basically, uh, in the end, as always, money talked and holes listened. And uh, that seems to be the, the way it goes in sports. My bizarre sports story of the week is easy. The crazy situation with Chris Paul being traded to the Lakers, then having it overturned last night by NBA Commissioner David Stern. Lots of elements to this story, with the league owning the New York New Orleans Hornets being a key part of this. Uh, that was Paul's, I was going to say former, but I guess you'd have to say current team. And now the star point guard is threatening litigation. It seems to me this is the league, in the wake of the just-completed lockout, taking a stand against the inmates running the asylum, and by that I mean the players creating their own dream team, type rosters uh, like in Miami and uh, doing this in the, in the so-called big markets. This is an ugly situation and it's sure to get uglier by the minute. The latest I heard within the past few minutes is it looks like the trade may occur. Uh, the NBA owners are up in arms to try to stop it, at least the small market owners are. And uh, the only time I can remember anything like this happening and uh, is going back probably 30, 30 years or more when Bowie Kuhn, commissioner of baseball, stepped in and stopped the, uh, the trade of Joe Rudy and uh, Raleigh Fingers to the Red Sox. I remember that very well, and uh, it was a big deal then, and this is a big deal now. The event of the week that I attended was the Sports Business Journal IMG Intercollegiate Athletics Panel down in New York City where hundreds of the most influential decision makers in all of college sports assembled to discuss the topics of the day. Needless to say, the hot topics were, of course, the scandals at Penn State and Syracuse. It, it truly has the college sports world and uh, the general population in general aghast. This topic permeated nearly every panel I sat in on at the, at the, uh, at the forum. Of course, the big buzz in the hallways between sessions was about Penn State and Syracuse. And my take home was basically that every institution is taking an introspective look to ensure that these nightmares do not occur in their house. The speakers were literally a who's who of college sports. From NCAA President Mark Emmert opening the forum, uh, first speaker on the first day. He was followed by the likes of, uh, throughout the, the two-day forum, of announcer Brent Musburger, Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney, and Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick. Truly a who's who of the college sports world. Additional hot topics uh, that were discussed beyond the scandals were NCAA rules enforcement, women's sports, the explosion of TV TV, as well as digital and social media, sponsorship and marketing, facilities, 
ticketing, and of course, the beleaguered BCS. The simple question, did the BCS get it right regarding LSU versus Alabama in a rematch? Uh, only this time it'll be for the national championship. Prompted like a half an hour debate with one of the highest profile panels uh, during the entire for forum. Even those who thought they were the best two teams had issues with, you know, the fact that they were meeting again and basically doing a, uh, you know, doing a rematch. It just seems to fly in the face of, uh, of everything that uh, BCS is supposed to be. And obviously Oklahoma State is now left out on the sidelines. Uh, and a lot of people seem to, uh, again, really, really want the Oklahoma State-LSU matchup. LSU obviously will be going for an undefeated season and perhaps going down as one of the great college football teams in history. Uh, I think they've played eight ranked opponents and uh, very impressive how in a couple games, including the SEC championship against Georgia last Saturday, they've fallen behind but then stormed back to absolutely dominate the second half en route to victory. And this particular panel that was discussing the BCS, uh, it included Oliver Luck, currently the athletic director at West Virginia University and the father of Stanford quarterback Andrew Luck, the likely first pick in this year's NFL draft. And it was great to see Oliver on this panel because for me it was a trip down memory lane since I covered Oliver when he was the Mountaineers quarterback in the 1980s. When I look back on, uh, on covering him and the Mountaineers, uh, he was one of the most impressive athletes I've ever covered. He was, in fact, a Rhodes Scholar finalist, and he was a great quarterback. He played in the NFL, was, in fact, a first-round pick. Uh, you know, had a decent career, not a great career. But, you know, has been involved in the sports world ever since and landed a year or two uh, ago at the, as the AD over at WVU, returning, of course, to his alma mater. And needless to say, he remains equally impressive, and it's no, no surprise that his son, Andrew, is uh, such a smart guy attending Stanford and a very poised individual, to say the least. Um, so after the, after the panel, Oliver and I had a chance to catch up privately, and uh, I was struck by his instant recall, but not surprised, of his college quarterbacking days, and, uh, and then we were discussing the various sports journalists that I worked with, that he knew, uh, when we all covered uh, his team back in the day. And one of those days was one of my greatest career moments, uh, which was I was a field photographer on the day they opened the current West Virginia University football stadium in 1980. Very, very early in my career, needless to say. And uh, it was then called the uh, New Mountaineer Field and now called Milan Puskar Stadium. But on that day, uh, they had a surprise guest and I was acting as a field photographer. And the surprise guest was John Denver. And I stood about 10 feet away from him on the field at the 50-yard line as he sang Country Roads, the all-time West Virginia anthem, needless to say. And I'm literally, at this moment, looking right at the photo that I took of that day in 1980. 
And again, just a great career memory brought back by uh, my conversation with Andrew Luck, the quarterback that day. So how ironic that all these years later, I get to reminisce with him and, uh, and that tomorrow night, his son, Andrew, may win the Heisman Trophy. So six degrees of separation, still in force. And as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters, we some hard hitters. Hard-hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard-hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests join us. And today we have Nick Infante, founder and editor of College Athletic Clips, and welcome, Nick. It was great to see you at the Sports Business Journal IMG Intercollegiate Athletics Forum in New York City this week. How are you today? Very good. Uh, great to see you, too, and uh, I'm glad you were able to drive all the way down to New York in the rain and made it back safely. I understand. Indeed, I did, and uh, the drive back was a lot better than the drive to, let me tell you. Yeah. Never fun driving down 95 uh, uh, in the rain, needless to say. Uh, so, Nick, before we jump into the Big East, uh, I opened my show by talking, uh, talking a lot about the, about the conference, which was outstanding as usual. Obviously, right in your wheelhouse as a, uh, as a college sports guy, what were your thoughts on the, uh, on the conference? Well, my thoughts were, were very personal. This is the seventh one I've been to out of ten. Uh, and the people at uh, Sports Business Journal have been terrific to me. I've come to know 15 or 20 of them. And by going to seven of these that are a day and a half each, they um, attract the most senior people that are involved in uh, college athletics, which over the course of seven years has probably been, I don't know, 40 or 50 presidents and 80 or 90 uh, athletic directors. And it is the appropriate type of uh, event. Uh, to talk about the 30,000 and 40,000 foot level, and they all are very good at that. Uh, and then, as you saw, and you were part of it too, John, uh, we, we news people kind of converge on them and bring them down to the 10,000 foot level if we can. It's a great event. I know of no other event that comes close to that in terms of high level 
people for, for college athletics. And how good, John, are the people from Sports Business Journal? They know their stuff almost in fact, every one of the moderators of the six or seven different ones, you'd think that they would, they're would they covering uh, college uh, athletics exclusively. They do not. They cover all sports, mostly pro. So they put on a great show. They absolutely do, and took the words right out of my mouth, Nick, where I was going to say, you know, they do just such a fantastic job moderating these panels, which are, again, just a who's who of the decision makers of the world of college sports. A booming world, to say the least. And uh, were there any particular, you know, take-homes that you brought from the conference? Any just outstanding, you know, be it news items or surprises or, you know, uh, people that you met? Uh, what, what, were, what were the highlights for you? Oh, well, I could take a couple hours. I'll try and condense it to about two minutes here. Um, okay. The, the takeaways were nothing that we, you and I didn't know already before we walked in, which is how important money is. These schools are under tremendous pressures to come up with more revenues. And there was a lot of talk about realignment. They, either they're all good actors, John, uh, or, or I think the latter is true, though, that they really don't know what's going to happen in terms of realignment, uh, whether the Pac-12 is going to become the 16 or the 18. Um, so the takeaway there was uh, a reaffirmation of, uh, of uh, wow, <laughs> none of us know what's going on here. Uh, and the other one had to do with you know, <laughs> playoff, you know, BCS, LSU, when they, some of them were going on and on, I'm talking about, you know, athletic directors and presidents, conference commissioners, when they were going on and on about what they thought was good for Division One A college football, there were, there were ten different opinions. I mean, they're not, they're not in, in, in unification about what's going to be done about BCS. So, if anything, by the way. So um, that, that that was some takeaway. And, and the other was, uh, I think you, I caught the tail end of uh, what you're talking about with Andrew Luck, I think, a few minutes ago. Yes. Um, wow. The thing I'm starting to see, and I've only been at this for eight years, is many of the new athletic directors at big schools, West Virginia is a big school, are not coming up through, through the ranks. They're coming from elsewhere. And I was very impressed with him. I had never been in his company. I spoke with him after, uh, you know, his his panel. I was very impressed with his grasp of not only, you know, college athletics, but of marketing and money and revenue. He, he went on and on. I used to be in the beer business, so I know beer. He was talking about West Virginia having beer sales inside of the stadium, and he, and he, and he I just likes the way he justified it. Uh, you're going to have drunkenness either way, and they, at least that way it sounds like they have it under control better. So, yeah, the takeaway was was what we already knew got reaffirmed, and some of these leaders in college athletics I'm, I'm continue to be impressed with them. Yeah, well, Oliver is a uh, a pioneer for the Mountaineers. Uh, so, you know, he, he he's the latest, but and just one of a few colleges who are selling beer inside the stadium on game day and uh again you know road scholar finalist smart guy nice guy and uh i use the word pioneer because I, I i think he is probably you know once he has a year or two under his belt with this whole beer sale thing we'll figure out the pros and the cons how to do it best and then i i, I wouldn't be surprised if you know he and wvu uh, get it down, have a model, 
And then once you know he gets it down uh, with a very very workable model, and I, I think you you know make quantum leaps in year one, that it won't be too long before we see most every college doing it because I I, I would see a guy like Oliver Luck, you know, again figuring it out. Yep. How to how to well, do well, it sir, best? I agree. Yes. And, yes. And uh, go I'm ahead. I'm not trying to hump deer in, in stadiums, by the way. I just cited that as one example. Um, and he's and also he's not the only one of these sort of new waves. He's not young, young. He's what is he? Forty five? I don't know. Forty two, fifty, whatever he is. I mean, it's not like he's not the only athletic director at a D one A school who came from outside. Swar- John John Swarbrick is it from Notre Dame? Jack, was there Jack Swar Jack Swarbrick? He, he, yeah, and he's not uh, that many years into it. Uh, so there there are quite a few that come from the outside, and that's obviously uh, where things are going. But what's his name? Uh, Oh, forgive me for the name. The, the fellow from uh, Rutgers, Tim Pernetti. Right, he, right. He came from, he was in sports, I think, for CBS Sports TV or something like that. But he was not an AD until two years ago. So those are just three of probably a dozen of them all the way around the country. So, so yeah, I, well, I, uh, these are momentous times for college oh, sports. Yeah. To put it mildly, the growth has been spectacular. Now the conference realignments, uh, you know, the the face of college sports and f- football in particular and basketball, obviously the two big revenue sports are, you know, undergoing a sea change. And uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch what's going to come out on the other side. And, uh, and speaking of that subject, I, and I'm guessing you, were pretty pleased this week to see that uh, the Big East will almost assuredly now survive with the addition of the five new schools. And, uh, and I just thought it was great. You know, you, you, you're from New Jersey. Uh, so like, I know you've covered big East basketball media day for years. I've covered the football media day this past August. And I think it's great news. Well, how can I not agree? I mean, survival is another word of putting it, let's say. Uh, I would have preferred that they survived in a different way, like if maybe Syracuse and Pitt changed their minds and stayed where they are. But that's not going to happen. WVU, by the way. And West Virginia, by the way. And And speaking of Oliver Luck, WVU. Yep, yep. Uh, but that's not going to happen. They're going to change their minds. They did it for good reason. There's substantially more revenues coming their way by going to the ACC. Uh, and I was, there's a lot of positive to it. There really is. Uh, uh, they're surviving. They, they brought in five credible schools. Yeah, I know the geography's tough. Yeah, I know San Diego State is on the other side of the country. I know there's four time zones and all that. And the logistics of travel are going to be very challenging. But that you can get away with, you could mitigate a lot of that by having the East Division and the West Division. But yeah, of course, I was pleased. There just aren't that many. Um, northeastern schools to pick from for them to have invited. They had to go far. And um, poor John Marinato, I only started knowing him five or six years ago, and he's been the commissioner, I guess, three years. The guy's had nothing but turbulence uh, his, his whole time there now. Uh, so I hope, and this is nothing. The other thing we, we took away, right, John, was there's no permanence to these conferences. Um, and this is a good step for them. It might last five years. It might last a little longer. Um, and uh, there'll be some other change coming. One of the things, I don't remember if you were in those particular panels, and it's related to the Big East, uh, uh, 
expansion is whether there might even be a, well, A, a, B, a BCS, and even if there still is a BCS after the next TV contract uh, is negotiated in 2013, whether they will go away from the AQ, the automatic qualifier um, uh, designation. And, and that's what, that's the pearl, the diamond, actually, that, that the Big East has. They have an automatic qualifier um, designation, if, if that's what it's called. And they're able, whoever is the champion of the Big East in football gets an automatic ride into one of the big bowls. That's very significant. UConn last year wasn't, was not dominant, and they kind of sneaked in. Good for them. Uh, I don't know what their, their, their Big East record might have been. Six and two, or five and three, um, and that, you, you, you can be sure that's why Houston and San Diego State and all those Boise State in particular—that's what attracted them. However, if that goes away, that AQ um, designation in three, four years, when the BCS does its next, uh, you know, iteration, um, it, then Boise State might, might be—I don't know—I'm trying to make a joke. You know, Boise State might be sitting in the Big East four years from now, and when the AQ goes away, they may be saying, well, why, why are we in the Big East? But, again, that's only one of many unknowns. Right. Well, you're absolutely right. Obviously, the carrot for Boise State, who has been uh, pretty much left out of the party. Well, they certainly were this year, but they have had a little taste of the BCS. But, you know, that was the carrot. They join the yep. Big East. They they win the Big East, which they, based on their past five years or so, they probably would win it most years. And uh, and boom, then they're in the BCS Bowls. And I think we all know, as Oklahoma found out a few years ago, they can do some damage if they get there. And uh, again, you know, I, I just thought it was, you, you know, just terrific. Uh, it was funny. I mean, I, I wonder if they're going to keep the name Big East. You know, you and I talked about i heard on the radio on my drive down to new york uh one of the guys on the fan in new york city said it should be renamed to big country uh yeah. and interestingly i went on the big east website just to get the official announcement today and uh you know their headline literally the big east headline on their website was you know big east moves west and uh <laughs> which i thought was pretty catchy i mean they get it they they, yeah. they know what's happening with their conference and uh yeah and like you said you know the, the big east basketball tournament at the garden every march is just oh that that one i'm less positive about that one you, you yeah that, that must one, uh, i mean that, that's just gonna be what it was there's nothing like it no no and and that's when you know obviously can yukon began their run last year oh yeah that's six in a row there five in a row or was the other way around? Five in the Big East, six in the the tournament. Jeez, I guess I that up. I don't know, but eleven in a row total. Exactly. Um, there's a guy you may know of him or even know him. I don't know him. I, I read him. I've been in a phone email with him, whatever. Uh, Jeff Jacobs from the Hartford Current. He wrote a terrific uh, article. He gave me his permission. I'm going to put it on my website. Um, <laughs> but he led into it by talking about. As if, as if he was the athletic director at UConn or somebody at UConn or the president, or whatever. And if on your phone, you know, it, it, the little window says where the phone, phone, the call is coming from, and if it has a three three six area code, that's Greensboro, North Carolina. So they would answer <laughs> that call quickly, which is where the ACC is based. ACC. And his yes. whole whole column was, you know, if UConn were to get invited, 
they're going to say it seems like they would say a pretty quick yes for all the same reasons as Syracuse and Pitt and, and West Virginia. So even what the Big East has now, it could it could it could change. But what else is new? We we talked about the change, changes all all day uh, for the last two days. Yep. Well, we're gonna we're right at the point of our break here, Nick. But bottom line. The name of the game is survival, and I think you and I can sit here today and say the Big East has survived for now. And really, that's what it's all about for now. Uh, One quick comment. Uh, Earlier on, you said Nick is uh, from New Jersey. I live in New Jersey, but I'm originally from Connecticut, and that is no knock on New Jersey, by the way. New Jersey is a great state, but I'm actually from Connecticut. Okay, well, as long as you're from Big East territory. (laughs) That's the important thing. Nick... Thank you so much for joining us and enlightening us today. And once again, great to catch up with you in person. And uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing each other again soon. And I'm sure we'll have you on again soon as a guest as this college, crazy world of college sports continues to evolve. My pleasure, John. Good to see you again. And uh, we'll be in touch soon, I hope. Thank you, Nick. And uh, now it's time for our break. And joining us next will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. The revolution has begun with Jim and Trav. Listen this week as Randall Eden, Shannon Young, Josh Fleming, and Joe Hosmer tell us why it's important to get our kids in the outdoors. Plus, Cat Daddy will have some catfishy tips, and Nick Rhodes has a new twist on wildlife management you'll want to hear. This is sponsored by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. He'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. And joining us on the line now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Barry, how are you today? Good afternoon, John. How are you? And uh, a very, very huge sports day today. I lived it. Seems like wherever you turn, there's uh, there's big things happening. So lots to talk about. Yeah, days like this don't come come along too often. Uh, more specifically, days like yesterday where you had both Pujols and the NBA. So why don't we start with the NBA? And knowing that you used to work there, uh, 
anxious to hear your thoughts on the Chris Paul situation. It's it's crazy. I mean, you know, uh, you know, we pretty much knew all along that uh, you know Chris Paul is, is not you know as, as and we'll get to Dwight Howard in a minute and then that story, which continues to twist and turn. Um, you know, we pretty much knew that Chris Paul was going to be was not going to be a New Orleans Hornet after next season, and you know, uh, there's lots of talk about him being traded, lots of talk about him coming uh, going to the Knicks uh, among other places. But uh, you know, a, a three team trade getting getting worked out between the Hornets and the Lakers. And uh, and the Rockets and uh, Chris Paul would have gone to L.A. Uh, dream backcourt with Kobe Bryant, but uh, at the last possible moment, uh, David Stern uh, mixed the trade. Um, I think there was a lot of, and I, and I think I think the reason for this is a lot of perception. Uh, as we know, you know, with 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 the labor trouble the NBA has had through the throughout the prolonged lockout and now the new CBA, um, there. There was the movement of these small market teams to, you know, kind of get get more equal footing, and I, I, I think it, it, it's kind of complicated because, you know, the league has the league does own the Hornets, you know, so some some of our listeners may not be aware of that, but it's the only team in the league that is owned by by the NBA because the league the, the Hornets essentially have no owner. So the league does operate, but you know they have their own executives, their own uh, GM, uh, Dell Demps, coaching staff, et cetera, Of course, so uh, the Demps and the Hornets were were it was it was understood that they had carte blanche to make whatever trades uh, they they saw fit, whether it be for uh, Chris Paul or any other deal they may want to make. So they they make this trade. Uh, you know they bring back uh, uh, you know some serviceable players. Pau Gasol goes to the Hornets. Um, and there we go. There's a trade, and then and then it's turned around because, you know, as we said, there is the perception that well, you know, the league really wants to be responsible for you know allowing the small market teams to to operate in a more even keel. Uh, and there was a publicized email sent by Dan Gilbert, uh, who was uh, famously jilted uh, he and the Cavs by LeBron James a year ago. So you know, uh, I think that there was there was a perception that well, gee, we can't allow this trade to happen because here's the situation where we have a large market team, the Lakers, you know, getting stronger. And you know, whether it's right or wrong, I I, I kind of disagree with it. But this is the way that it, it has gone. It has gone, and now and now it almost makes things worse because now you have players that knew they were they were going to be traded, you know, having to report back today. The training camp, it seems that they they may not necessarily uh, think want them. Uh, I think that um, Lamar Odom has already had several tweets saying, "Wow, you know, I don't know how I'm going to react to this because you know they were going to trade me. Uh, you know, uh, Odom was going to go to to, to the uh, to the Hornets and Pau Gasol to the Rockets, and it was it's now it's, now you've got all these players in a state of flux that you know knew they were going to be traded. Now they have to go back to the teams that were going to trade them." Uh, and it, it, it's just crazy. And, you know, and now, uh, on top of that, on the heels of that, we have, uh, you know, Dwight Howard, you know, trying to orchestrate a trade to the Nets. There are reports that last night, I believe, um, Nets owner Mikhail Prokhorov and GM Billy King actually met with Dwight Howard, which would be a direct violation of NBA rules. That would be a tampering charge. So if that's true, that has not been substantiated as of yet. This is all, all kind of happening, right, as we're speaking. Um, you know, that just throws a monkey wrench into that as well. So it's been a crazy, crazy uh, day and a half for the NBA, and a lot of this stuff is very fluid, and, uh, you know, it's, it's changing as we speak, I think. But just crazy. Yes. No, it is crazy, and, you know, 
coming on the heels of the announcement of the end of the lockout, but yet I still think there are papers to yet be signed to finalize officially and legally the lockout itself. And then if you take another step further, you know, looking at it through the Boston prism where I live, uh, you know, you have Rajon Rondo, a well-known, shall we say, uh, delicate personality, to put it mildly. Um, you have reports that he basically, you know, that the Celtics had scheduled a time for a Chris Paul physical, meaning they were going to get Chris Paul as recently as last evening, if not earlier in the day, yesterday afternoon. So now you have the Celtics pretty much out of the picture, so it seems. And yet here they are with their uh, mercurial point guard, Rajon Rondo, knowing once and for all, because it's been rumored for years that he was trade bait, but now he knows once and for all that the Celtics will pull the trigger for him. And, you know, how's that going to affect the Celtics? And then, you know, you just extrapolate that out and it becomes, you know, how's it going to affect the East and the rivalry with the Heat and on and on and on and on. So, I mean, the fallout from this is potentially tremendous. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, you, you can even take it a step further, okay, with Chris Paul, because, you know, he is, you know, during the lockout, during the labor talks, you saw a lot of Chris Paul hanging out with Carmelo Anthony of the Knicks, and, you know, there's no secret that they're good friends, and there's no secret that Chris Paul, uh, his main desire was to come to the Knicks, uh, you know, if you believe a lot of the stuff that you read. So now, uh, you know, they had also said that Paul, Chris Paul wouldn't be traded anywhere unless he committed to a contract long term, because, you know, it's hard to believe that, you know, the Lakers would, would pull off a trade like that, uh, you know, for a rental. So, you know, that would, that throws another monkey wrench into it. Now you have the Knicks saying, hey, wait a second. You know, we thought we were going to be getting them. So now, so now you have the Knicks wondering. You have the Celtics wondering. You have now the Lakers wondering. And now you, you have, you know, we're pretty much everything thrown into a dizzy here. So uh, there's going to be a lot of sorting out to do, a lot of confusion, and uh, a lot of disgruntled players. So it seems like the, the, the club of unhappy players is, is, is spreading. And, uh, you know, it'll be, be real interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, well, they can join the club of unhappy owners, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, you know, it, again, coming on the heels of the lockout, and again, if I'm not mistaken, this lockout is not legally finalized yet. Yes, that is correct. Yes, so knowing that, I mean, you know, it just feels like, you know, a bit like the wild, wild west, and this league is in, like, turmoil. And it's just, uh, you, you know, to, to say it's a fragile time, you know, and how it's all going to go. And just back to your earlier point, the key to everything here is the fact that the league owns the Hornets. That That, that is the elephant in the room here. And uh, I, it's fascinating. You, you know, it's like, you know, between the lockout and this situation occurring with the biggest names in the sport, owners are involved. The commissioner's obviously at the epicenter of everything. You know, where's it all? Where's it all headed? I mean, you know, is this going to be like the lockout was a remake of sorts for the NBA or the, the, the agreement to end the lockout, but is this going to take it a step further? And, you know, is it going to remake the NBA, you know, in yet another new and different way? Or is it going to jeopardize the lockout? We'll see. It's, 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 there's, and, you know, as we said, it's, it's very fluid. There's a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of moving parts and a lot of parts that, that aren't going to stop moving until we have some some sort of not closure but some sort of resolution to these issues. I mean, 
You've got unhappy players with, you know, uh, with several unhappy, uh, unhappy players with, unha- with teams uh, that, you know, are like, well, I guess these guys don't want me, but now I have to come back and, and play for this team. You know, uh, some of these guys have fragile egos to begin with. Uh, at the very least, uh, you know, with Lamar Odom involved, maybe it'll, you know, give some more, uh, material for one of the, uh, one of the Kardashian episodes, you know, uh, but, you know, other than that, uh, it's, it's going to be, you know, there's, there's, there's no more, uh, Craziness, uh, no more better reality TV than, than pro sports. So you know, uh, it's it, it's going to be real interesting to see how the league kind of tries to figure a way out of this because you know it almost seems like they've made it worse by by negating this deal, just opening up more questions and and more commentary and uh, more speculation. So um, yeah, I, I just think it, it 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 just makes the whole thing crazier. And as you said, no, it's not. It's not signed, sealed, and delivered. The new CBA. So who knows if this could if this could have an effect on that? So there's a lot of things that need to be ironed out, and I get the sense that you know this weekend will be very key uh, for for getting a lot of this stuff ironed out, and if it even gets ironed out. So we may we may it may take a while for this to, to for all the dust to clear. But uh, it, I agree with you. It is it's a fascinating time for the NBA, unprecedented, I think, too. Yeah, well, needless to say, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, I don't know if the players' union has officially filed for recertification, so that could play into this. Uh, and, by the way, it appears that David Cern just made a statement, and just to boil it down to its simplest level, he said the commissioner's office feels that everybody's best interests are served with Chris Paul remaining in a Hornet uniform. Wow. So that's a pretty interesting statement because, you know, the, the buzz in the past hour or two has been that the trade probably will go through. And in the meantime, you have, you know, it's December 9th. It's the, it's the opening day of practice officially based on the end of the lockout for NBA teams. The Celtics are practicing right up the road here. And then, uh, you know, I think over the weekend are team media days and things like that. It's just going to be crazy, to yep, say the absolutely. least. Uh Especially in New Orleans, you know, but, you know, and uh, uh, Paul has made some noise about not reporting to camp. Um, Mar Odom has, has, has intimated that he's not going to show up when the Lakers open practice today. So, so yeah, it's just going to get crazy. And, you know, the other thing about the Chris Paul situation, he actually referred to this, uh, to the trade not going through as it being held up. He did not refer to it as being quashed. So, you know, maybe there's some other things that we don't know. Maybe there's some machinations that still are going on behind the scenes, as, as I'm sure there will be in these types of situations. So uh, I guess stay tuned is probably the best thing we can say. Oh, you know, and here we were talking about, but, you know, still a little bit wondering, I mean, you know, was it going to be as wild as it was in the immediate aftermath of the NFL lockout ending? And lo and behold, not only is it as wild, it's a whole lot wilder, potentially, to say the least. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know. It's a, becoming free agent. Yeah, then the, yeah, then you have the whole free agent signing period that's going to be starting. And, you know, how is that going to work out? Who's going to be affected by that? And, uh, you know, you have the amnesty situation with, you know, some guys are probably going to be cut loose. So, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be the, next, uh, the next week is going to be very crazy in the NBA for sure. And it's already started. Yep. This is why we do what we do, Barry. And with that said, uh, you know, it's time for our break, and Barry's going to stick around uh, for the other side. So we'll catch you uh, after our break. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with me is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, I'm going to start off this segment with uh, saying that my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is the Giants-Cowboys game on Sunday night. Truly one of the big games of the year, and... I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit here and say that uh, you'll remember at the close of last week's show, I said that I thought the Giants had a serious chance of beating the Packers, and it didn't happen, but it doesn't get any closer than, than they did. Well, yeah, and it, remind, it reminds me, and, you'll, and you know, we'll remember this is a, a good frame reference for, the, uh, for our Boston-New York access, as we often uh, talk about on this show. Um, it, last, week, last week's game reminded me a lot of the final game of the 2007 regular season, the Giants played the Patriots. And the Patriots won, I believe it was the same 38-35 score or something very close to that. Um, right. So, that, so the Giants pretty much played as well as they could. I mean, you knew that it wasn't going to be a defensive game. You knew both teams were going to you know, march up and down the field. I think the Giants might have gotten, you know, uh, might have gotten a, a bad break or two from some of the challenges. But, you know, but, but anyway, it was a... It was a really well played game, I thought, and an uh, exciting game to watch, certainly. And, you know, the Giants had a, ch- had a shot. And I guess their biggest mistake was giving Aaron Rodgers 57 seconds to come down the field and, and, and win the game, which is exactly what happened. So, um, Packers are a great team. And, you know, maybe, maybe now the, that might have been their, their toughest obstacle to, to, go, to get to that perfect season. We'll see. Um, but as far as the Giants and Cowboys are concerned, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't get any, any better than this. Uh, uh, you know, uh, biggest game of the season for both teams. And you know, the most amazing thing from the Giants' point of view, I think, is that, you know, here we were last week looking at a situation, well, the Cowboys are playing the Cardinals, well, the Giants are playing the Packers. You know, Giants, uh, if they lose, you know, the, the Cowboys are going to win. They'll be two games behind. Lo and behold, the Cowboys find a way to make it a race again by, by, by losing to the Cardinals in overtime. That was an absolute stunner. And, I, I, and a lot of what you saw from the Giants after the game was it was very interesting and again very reminiscent of, of, of the Patriots game from a few years back. 
Giants seemed very confident after winning that game, saying, hey, you know what, we can play with the best in the, best in the league. We know we can play with the Packers. And, you know, this may have galvanized them. As hard as, as hard as it may be to fathom a team losing its fourth straight game to be a galvanizing event, this, it, it, it may have been the case just because of, of who they played in that fourth game. So, you know, the, the, the Giants are confident. They think they can beat the Cowboys. Uh, the Giants are uh, undefeated in two trips to uh, the new Cowboys stadiums. So there's a factor. Um, and, you know, the, the Cowboys have not exactly um, you know, wowed anybody down the stretch either. You know, uh, what remains to be seen uh, if, if Tony Romo will be Tony Romo or whether it will be something else. So it's definitely a winnable game for the Giants. I, I think the Giants are in a situation that it's tough. I mean, they pretty much have to beat the Cowboys twice and uh, have some other things roll right for them. But they do control their own destiny, which is, again, an amazing statement considering that they've lost four games in a row. So if that's, at this point in the season, you know, on a four-game losing streak, to still control your own destiny to be in the playoffs. But let's face it, they win this game this week. They're tied for first. I mean, I mean they're, they're actually in first place. They would be tied, but they would have the tiebreaker over the Cowboys having won the first game head-to-head. So if they win that other game head-to-head, they're in pretty good shape. So uh, it, it, it's pretty amazing that they still have a shot, but uh, – the numbers say they do, and it, it, it would seem that they do. As it, it seems uh, conventional wisdom would say the same thing. they got a good shot. Absolutely. Well, it's hard for me to believe uh, that they haven't w- won a game since I witnessed Eli leading them down the field to beat the Patriots That's four right. weeks ago. And so I, it's shocking for me that they haven't won a game since then. And, you know, I believe that and, and it's December, and this is the time of year when the Cowboys – fold and you know i watched on nfl red zone the end of that cowboys cardinals game jason garrett uh you know calling the timeout uh to ice his own kicker i I couldn't believe it when i was witnessing it and uh you know a debacle it's like they just uh seem to you know do this year in year out as we get down to crunch time and you know to your point about the giants yes i absolutely uh see the the parallels between losing to the Packers, but yet feeling good about themselves. And, uh, yeah, I, I listened to a lot of radio since I drove to and from New York, something you're very familiar with. And, uh, a lot of talk about how Vegas doesn't like the giants this Sunday. They love the giants this Sunday. This is like as close to a prohibitive, bet favorite as you can get in Vegas so I think that's exactly what we're both saying so uh that is going to be fascinating to watch and uh and just one other postscript real quickly before we move into baseball but uh I was amazed watching that Giants Packers game when Aaron Rodgers got the ball back with 58 seconds to go I was like well you know there's enough time for Aaron Rodgers to move down the field but I was in awe of how quickly he got him down there. I mean, you know, three plays, they're down at the 20, and they're basically have more than enough time to manage the last, whatever, 20, 30 seconds on the clock to line up for the field goal. And so he is, he and the Packers are just amazing what they're doing. And uh, I think they're going to go undefeated. And, uh, you know, for the regular season, and then we'll see what happens. I, again, had a front, you know, ringside seat for. The Patriots and saw each game getting harder and harder, especially in the playoffs against Jacksonville and San Diego that year, which they won. But, you know, they weren't easy. So I think it's just going to be fascinating to watch 
the Packers these last few games, and I, I hope they do it. I'd like to see them go 19-0, and and the reason's pretty simple, you know. I felt the Patriots were the only team in our, in our lifetime, in our generation, that could do it. I never thought it would be repeated. When they lost, I said, well, they missed it, and we'll never see it again, but in an odd way, if the Packers do it, it will somehow lessen the pain of the Patriots not doing it, at least in my own mind. Does that, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. And because it would, it would get, it would, yeah, I, I get that because it would, it would kind of get the Patriots kind of off that, off that, off that little radar screen. I, I think, you know, certainly the, the Packers have shown they're, they're clearly the best team in the NFL. I don't think there's any disputing that. And, you know, if, 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 if there's a chance for them to go undefeated, you know, I, I think they can do it. I mean, it almost seems like they can score at will. Uh, the defense isn't great, but when you've got an offense like they have and you can just out, outscore people, you know, it, 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 it works. It's worked for them so far this year. And, uh, you know, yeah, the, every game gets harder, and, yeah, they're a target, but uh, we, we've seen how good they are and how good they can be. And uh, it's just, it's just an, an amazing achievement. I think the only people that will really – be upset about about it if it happens would be the seventy two dolphins and I think we're, we're going to start to try those those guys out very soon you know as as weeks go on and on we'll we'll start to see you know the, the Nick Bonacani's and the Manny Fernandez's kind of come out of the woodwork and uh, you know say hey we hope they don't do it so uh, you know you'll have that we'll have that to deal with but uh, but yeah I mean and, and it, it it is pretty awesome you know when you see greatness unfolding in front of you I mean much like the Patriots in two thousand seven the same, the same kind of feel. For this team, and I and I and I think it's a really good shot of them of them doing it. Uh, you know, as as you know, the Patriots were regarded as the best team in the league in '07 until the Super Bowl, and I think we're seeing the same thing with the Packers this year. And I think there's a good chance the Packers will eclipse that and, and do it. I agree with you. Yeah, I think it'll be great, and uh, as and, and as I think all of America would agree, uh, we can finally tell the. 72 Dolphins to stick a cork in it, meaning the cork in the bottle of champagne or the champagne party that they have every year when uh, every NFL team has, you know, when the final undefeated team has finally gets a defeat every year. Uh, Barry, we're down to about our last minute here, so I really quickly want to get your thoughts on the Albert Pujols signing. That, that was stunning, really, because, you know... I agree. It was, it was going to be... St. Louis, or uh, or it was going to be the Marlins, and it was just like it was like the Angels. You know what? The Angels. What? What are you talking about? Where did that come from? And it just goes to show you that that every once in a while, sometimes you know, sometimes the word doesn't get out to the media about these things. Sometimes the media doesn't know what, what we're talking about. Sometimes, uh, sometimes things, shocking. Yeah, it, that was shock. <laughs> that was really was. I mean, uh, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, you know a couple years back when uh, we were talking about uh, Cliff Lee. Well, was he going to return to the Rangers or go to the Yankees? That seemed to be the only two choices. And then at the last second, oh, he signed with the Phillies. And we're like, what? Where did that come from? So Exactly. Very, Good example. Very similar, very similar situation. Um, a 10-year deal, uh, I believe. Uh, a lot of money on the table. You know, the, the one thing about him going to an AL team, uh, you know, you, you'll be able to use him as a DH eventually, which, you know, I think that is a big factor here. I mean, because you really couldn't see him a 10-year you really couldn't see him commanding that long a deal with a National League team. It just wasn't going to work, you know, and I think once everybody kind of realized that, although, again, it, it kind of surprised the heck out of everybody that it was that it was the Angels. But, you know, it, it certainly makes sense from an American League point of view, from a DH point of view. Um, you know, certainly changes the dynamics in the American League overnight, uh, especially out in the West. So, uh, 
So, yes, uh, stunning is the best word. I agree. I agree as well, Barry, and good analogy on Cliff Lee. And, uh, you know, last year, a bit of a reversal where Crawford signed with the Red Sox, surprising a lot of people who thought he was going to sign with the Angels. But the Angels got their man this time, and uh, that brings us to the close of the show. Barry, I want to thank you again for joining us today. And also, thank Voice America listeners for tuning in to All Around Sports, and have a great weekend, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. 